hopefully, and open to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1 in a moment. Philippians chapter 4, we are studying this letter written by a church leader named Paul to a small church in a town called Philippi. So those people are called the Philippians. So we are studying right through this uh, book of the Bible. And this morning, we're in a moment, we're going to start at chapter 4, verse 1. My name is Derek, by the way. I'm one of the pastors. Glad that you are with us. And it's good to open God's word together. And it's fun to have silly time together as well. We wanted to have a little fun with the Father's Day. We went with the uh, silly, lighthearted video there. Uh, but I also want to open our time uh, studying God's word in prayer, that God will teach us from his word and uh, take a moment to pray for dads too. So let's do that. Father God, thanks that you are our heavenly father and that you, uh, that you have given us laughter and fun and uh, times to be together here on Sunday morning. So, Father God, we uh, do this morning um, pray for all in our church family that come as they are this morning. We do pray for those that um, are missing dads and, um, and have tough experiences in life and, and that, uh, that come to you with those needs this morning. And God, we also thank you for the dads in our lives that you've given us. And uh, Father, I pray for all dads that they would depend on you for all they need. And I pray for dads who are followers of Jesus that they, as you work in their lives, would be reflections of you, our Heavenly Father. Would, would, would we earthly fathers uh, trust you and lean on you and depend on you so that we could reflect some of you to our kids? Uh, and Father, as we open your word, help us to see your great love for us. Help us to see what you have for us this morning as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Philippians 4, verse 1, and you're going to want to follow along, and as I often do, we're going to read a little bit, and then talk, and then read a little bit, and then talk, so we keep our fingers in the text, in God's word, to hear from him each Sunday. So here's verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm, Thus, in the Lord, my beloved. So we've said this before. This verse 1 starts with a therefore, and we ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And usually that means we're going to need to look previous. We're going to look earlier in the letter to see why is he saying therefore. And what's interesting about this particular verse, verse 1, I think this verse, and, and people smarter than me think this too when I studied this passage, that this verse really in some ways could serve as a conclusion to what's come before, and, but, and yet it's really a good introduction to what we're studying this morning, too. So it's really kind of a, a pivot point verse, a connecting point. But either way, we want to think about for a minute what has gone before in this letter that he's now saying, therefore. So on the screen, I'm gonna, we're going to go quickly through some, some verses from this letter that we've studied through in recent weeks. Back in chapter 1, we had this verse, for me to live is Christ. That life is about Jesus, that we have the opportunity to live for him in all that we do and say. A few verses later, the, the author Paul exhorted us, encouraged us with this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Live in such a way, conduct your lives in a way that is worthy of the gospel, the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ. A few verses later in chapter 2, look 
not only, uh, look each of you, not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Thinking of others, going outside of ourselves. What is God calling us to? Verse, uh, chapter two, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. What I love about this verse, and we, we taught this a few weeks ago, it's not work for your salvation. That's a gift of God. Our salvation is a gift of God. It's not work for it. It's not try to earn God's love or earn our salvation. It's, it's work it out. Follow him. Look for what he has for us. What does our salvation look like as our lives progress and as we live for him? And then the beautiful part of that verse is that all of that is supported by God's work in us. It's not our own efforts. It's not our own strength. It is God who works in you, both giving us the will, the desire, and the work, and the ability to do what pleases him. And then, and then uh, in chapter 3, Paul writes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that, there, that there's more to following Jesus. We've been saved but we press on, we lean into him, we trust him more and more. We press on for all that he has in store for us. And then just a few verses later, Paul wrote this, brothers, join in imitating me, imitating him. And, keep, and he urges us to keep our eyes on those who follow Jesus according to the example we have. So, so part of our following Jesus, part of our pressing on is looking for people in our lives, mentors and peers who are following Jesus and who we can imitate and grow in Christ as we follow them. So all of this letter, right, and all of these reminders that we are to grow in Christ and that we are to continue following him and we are to press on, all of these reminders have come before our passage where we come to this morning. So verse one says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, brothers and sisters here at Faith Church this morning, I love you, I long for you to grow in Christ. So stand firm in the Lord. And it reminds us of that verse we just looked at, you know, of, of living lives worthy of the gospel. So this passage this morning is going to continue to help us see what do lives lived for the gospel look like? What does it look like to stand firm for Jesus in our lives? And we want to do that. We want to let our lives portray the gospel. We want to have the gospel make progress in us. So what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus rescues or that God rescues sinners, that broken, rebellious, uh, sinful people like you and me can be made right with a holy and perfect God. How? Through the sinless life, the perfect life, the substitutionary death, and the victorious resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. The good news the gospel is that good news that Jesus saves, that life is only in him, that we are rescued by his grace. It's a gift of grace, not something we have to strive for, or earn, or, or live up to. We are, but we are, it is his gift. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And then as, as, as God works in us, as we follow him, we're being transformed. We are being made new. And so part of that being made new is increasing in obedience to what God has for us, pressing on, looking for what he has in store, 
right? And so there's where we are going to see some, some commands, some, some encouragement in this morning's passage. So there's five commands or five exhortations that we're going to go fairly quickly through this morning that are in our passage. And uh, again, it's not, these are not things we do on our own effort. We don't do on our own strength, and we're not trying to earn. God is working in you, giving you the desire to do these things, giving you the ability to follow him. So number one that we see in this morning's passage is an urging, a reminder, a command that we should get along. Get along. Verse 2 says, Paul writing this letter to a small church of good friends of his in Philippi. Verse 2 says, I entreat Eudia, this is the name of a woman, and I entreat Syntyche, another woman, to agree in the Lord. Literally, if we looked at the language here, this was written in, it says, think the same thing in the Lord. Think the same thing. Agree. Come to unity. Find harmony between yourselves. We think back to chapter 2, verse 2. It's on the screen where Paul writes this, complete my joy by being of the same mind. He's urging us as followers of Jesus to find unity, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. You know, he's writing this throughout this letter, right? And I can't help but wonder, early in the letter, back in chapter 2, verse 2, that we just saw on the screen, when Paul writes and urges us to be, to have unity and to come together, you know, perhaps at that point of the letter, are people listening to this letter read and going, yeah, yeah, Paul, uh -huh, mm -mm, yeah, 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 we'll look for unity. And now we come to chapter 4, verse 2, uh, and, uh, and, he's, and he writes what he writes, and one of the guys I studied this morning, one of the commentators I studied this week in preparation wrote this. If anyone was nodding off, if anyone was nodding off in the Philippian assembly while this letter was being read, right back in these days, many people didn't read. There wasn't as many copies of the Bible. So these letters were circulated to churches and read aloud to God's people. So this writer says, if anyone was nodding off in the Philippian assembly while the letter was being read, they were awake now. Certainly, Paul was gentle and diplomatic and respectful, but to be named thus in the letter by the great apostle, all eyes were now upon who? Those two women. Can you imagine? What if right in the middle of my sermon some Sunday, I stopped and I said your name? Or I said, hey, you and you, get along. Work it out. Come to unity. But I, I think we need to personalize God's word like that more than we do. When we gather together on a Sunday or when you study your word every day, are we just reading it? And it was Ayudi and Sintiki's problem? It could have been some easier names for me to say. Was it just their problem? Or as we study God's word, do we ask him to speak to us? Do we personalize to see what he has for us? And as he entreats these two women to get along, he also wants us to help each other. Verse 3, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. Help one another grow in Christ. Help one another follow Jesus. Help one another find unity. 
Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So as a church family, do we have opportunities to help each other follow Jesus? I think all the time. And so let's ask God to show us how we can help each other to grow and to follow him and to get along. Now it's Father's Day, so you know, how can we help people to get along? Dads, I think we would probably prefer to just do something like this, right? <laughs> Have you seen these circulating on the internet before? If you can't read it, their shirt says it's their get along shirt. One shirt that they both have to fit into and they both don't look real happy about it. This sounds like a good parenting method, right? So maybe Paul didn't need to write the letter. Maybe he just needed to send a large t-shirt to Philippi and tell Iudia and Syntyche to get in it and get along. So as we stand firm in the Lord, as we live, as we want to live lives worthy of the gospel, number one was get along. Number two is rejoice. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And as if that wasn't enough, as if this letter hasn't had enough mentions of joy and rejoicing, he gets to chapter four, verse four, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And oh, by the way, again, I will say, rejoice. Paul says, rejoice, even in this friction, even though I just called two of you out by name, even when you don't get along, even when you're not pressing on to follow Jesus. Rejoice. We've talked earlier in this letter about the fact that the difference between happiness and joy is often our circumstances. Our happiness is often dependent on our circumstances. When things are good, we're good. When things are tough, we're not so good. But joy is dependent, is from God. So we can rejoice, we can have joy, no matter what the circumstances. How? As we understand who God is and what he's done for us. Uh, I read this quote this week, a high view of God a high view of God, what we think of God, who we know him to be and what he's done for us, a high view of God produces overflowing joy. But a low view of him yields little joy. So as you have opportunity this morning while we're gathered together, but in the privacy of your own home, rejoice. And again, Paul says, rejoice. Get along, rejoice, and number three is be reasonable. Look at verse five with me. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, this word reasonableness here, we, when we look at it, how it's used, maybe what, what it's kind of how we could think about its definition, it could also, we could also think of um, yielding to others, kindness, courteousness. And so some of the Bibles that you're holding perhaps say, uh, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The way we interact with kindness, with courteousness. The idea here really is seeking the best for others. That comes so natural for us, doesn't it? Seeking the best for others. Or what comes more natural? For me, what comes more natural is to think about me and my needs and, and what's, what, how things are for me. 
Be reasonable. Let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be known to everyone is an urging to us to consider others. Get along, rejoice, be reasonable. And now as we continue to think, what does life look like standing firm in Jesus, living lives worthy of the gospel? Number four is that don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Speaking of what comes natural, what comes natural is to worry, right? For many of us, what comes most natural is to worry. And here's a verse, look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry about anything. And up on the screen, we see elsewhere in Scripture, Matthew 6, therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, nor what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is a reminder that we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry, particularly about these earthly concerns, these these day in and day out basics that God provides in his perfect wisdom. We don't have to be overly worried about me and what's best for me and my needs and what I, what I think I need. For us this weekend, uh, worry has looked like uh, trying to figure out what's going on with the health of one of our children, a couple trips to the ER on consecutive nights. And as you, fellow dads in the room, because it's Father's Day, but, but you moms too, we know that it's much easier to be concerned. What comes most natural is to be anxious and to be concerned. But our scripture here reminds us that we do not be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look at verse 6 again with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, when we first read through the passage, and I said we were going to have five things that that we're urged to do that seem to be commands in this passage, and and it looks like don't worry is one, and it almost, we could think that they are separate, that it's don't worry, and then that pray is a separate one, but they're so linked here, aren't they? The way it was written, they're so linked, they go to, they're so linked, they go together, don't worry, Pray. Prayer is the anecdote, antidote, what's the word? Antidote for worry. Prayer is the cure for anxiety. And in contrast to last week's passage where we, where we talked about earthly focus, Colossians 3.2 on the screen reminds us that we are to set our minds on things that are above. And I think prayer helps us set our mind on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. We come to God and we give our, our, our um, we come to God with our requests, as it says, you know, come to him with your requests and in everything, submit it in prayer with thanksgiving. And it doesn't, it does, this doesn't mean, this doesn't promise that we're gonna get everything we ask for. Followers of Jesus, our lives don't instantly turn perfect. And things always go our way. 
This doesn't mean we're going to get everything we ask for. We might even go without some of those earthly concerns, some of those basic necessities. But what do we lean on? We lean on what we know about God, who he is and what he's done. We rely on the character of God from his word and who we have experienced in our lives. And we know that no matter what we come to him with and no matter what his answers are, God is good. He is with you. And he is at work for our good and his glory. And what we have or don't have from him in prayer is according to his perfect wisdom, him knowing best, him providing for what we need even when it's different than what we think we need. So in this church family, uh, I want us to ask God to help us incorporate prayer all the time, everywhere. What a great scripture reminder this morning. Do not worry, pray. Come to me, talk to me, our heavenly father says. And so as, at Faith Church, we wanna be a church family that is about prayer everywhere, all the time. Prayer in the life of our church family shouldn't only be when me or another one of our leaders is up here leading us in prayer. Followers of Jesus, you are Holy Spirit-empowered ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a direct connection to God through Jesus by his spirit. You do not need me to pray for you. We have that opportunity to gather together and, and, and to pray together. We have that opportunity to be alone and to pray to our great God together, right? So we want to be a church family who incorporates prayer everywhere all the time. Yes, on Sunday mornings, in your homes, when you're studying God's word, on your own. When you're gathered in small groups, pray for one another. When you come to, to adult Bible fellowship class at 9 a.m., pray together. So I want to apply this scripture right now. Here we are. We're going to pause our, our sermon. We're going to apply this reminder to pray right now, and, I, and I, I want us to pray not just for ourselves, I want us to allow God to care for us by others praying for us. So I mentioned a few minutes ago what, what a, a current potential worry or anxiety for us is, and what is that for you? Let something come to mind right now. Uh, what's a current area of worry or an area that's causing you to be anxious and to worry more about taking care of it yourself or what you need to do and, 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 and stopping you from giving it to the Lord, from going to him in prayer. What is that thing? I'm going to stretch this a little bit. I'm going to invite you to turn to somebody near you. It can be next to you. It can be behind you. And I just, take, just take 30 seconds or so to exchange requests. I'm not going to make you pray out loud this morning, but I could. <laughs> uh, maybe I could try <laughs> turn to each other take a few seconds exchange a request what's something that you're anxious about that there's potential worry something that you would appreciate that they would pray for you about exchange that with someone one or two people near you and then I'm going to encourage you to just spend some time individually on your own in prayer going to God interceding on the behalf of those people 
pray for their requests. And then you're also, of course, welcome to go to your heavenly father with your heart, with your needs, and with your praise for him. So let's do that. Go ahead and take 30 seconds to exchange. Let someone next to you, next to you or behind you know what they can pray for. What are you anxious about? What is a current worry that they could pray for? Okay, got it. Make sure the other person had a chance to share too. You should have told someone else something. And someone else should have told you something. (laughs) And I'm just going to leave a moment of silence here now and invite you to go to your Heavenly Father in prayer. Go ahead and lift up those requests to the Lord right now. Father God, thank you that we can come as we are, that we can come to you when we're hurting, that we can come to you when we're rejoicing. God, remind us over and over, not just this morning, but remind us in the days and weeks and months to come that we don't have to be anxious, but that we can come to you with thanksgiving, making our requests known to you. Thank you that you are a a God, a heavenly father who we can cast our cares upon, who we can give our burdens to, who hears us, who knows us. So Lord, we, we trust ourselves to you. We lift these things up in prayer to you. Father, I pray that you would help me be a man of prayer. I pray that you would help other dads in the room be dads of prayer. And would we increasingly be a church family of prayer everywhere, all the time? In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So Paul urging us to get along, to rejoice, to be reasonable, to not worry and to pray. And now we're going to skip down to verse 8 for a moment. We're going to come back to verse 7. I'm going to skip to verse 8 for a minute where we have our fifth and final reminder in this letter this morning to focus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Focus, not on the earthly concerns, but lifting our eyes, setting our minds on things above. Focus. Now, as we've thought about these five things that are, that are evidences of growing in Christ, as we follow him, as we press on, as we ask him to change us more and more, these five things we've looked at are going to be increasingly true in our lives. Not perfectly, but this is what God wants to do in you as he makes you new. And we can obey these five commands, um, I think, in a lot of different ways. We can incorporate these five commands into our lives in, a lot, in, in many ways, at many times, in many areas of our life. But one thing I thought of as we looked at them was I did think of our Sunday gatherings, our large gatherings together on Sunday. And as you think of those things, uh, our, our gathering together as a larger group on Sunday mornings is an opportunity to come together in unity, right? To strive to get along. It's an opportunity for us to rejoice together, to demonstrate that joy is from God, that no matter our circumstances, we can gather together and lift our voices and rejoice in our good and great God. Our Sunday gatherings give us the opportunity to set our worries aside by spending time in prayer, and hopefully our Sunday morning times together help us to focus on those things that are worth focusing on. Focusing on the one name that is worthy of our praise. And so that's definitely part of our Sunday gatherings. That's the purpose that God has for his people gathering together regularly. So much of what God has for us, we, we can see what he's up to in our lives as we gather together on Sunday mornings. Um, speaking of our Sunday mornings, I'm going to... I got a couple, of, uh, a couple of fun announcements and updates for you. Speaking of our Sunday gatherings, um, I teased in the last week or so that there was a big announcement today. Um, and I was just having fun with that. I wasn't trying to mess with you. Um, and, uh, and it's a big announcement. It's an exciting announcement from our, from, from our church family that, that we're excited about what God is going to do. And yet it's not a surprise because really, this is something that we've talked about together, uh, that I've said from up here on Sunday mornings, that we've talked about briefly in a congregational meeting, and I've, we've invited you to pray uh, for leaders as this decision was made. So it's a big, exciting announcement, but it's not a surprise. It's that uh, we feel that as, as we look to see what God has for us as a church family and how we can best serve him and how we can be most effective in helping the most people Meet and follow Jesus, uh, starting on September 16th this year. Uh, every Sunday morning, we are going to have two worship gatherings, one at 9 a.m. and one at 10.45 a.m. And we are really looking forward to this. This is going to be a, a great opportunity because let me remind you of, of why our church family exists. Faith Church exists, to, as I already said, to help people meet and follow Jesus. We want to be 
We want to help you grow as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. And we want you as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, to become a disciple who helps make other disciples. And so as we are made into disciple-making disciples, uh, our surrounding community of Dallas is growing. A recent article said the ninth fastest growing city in the state of Oregon. And our church family is growing. And these are exciting times to follow God at Faith Church. And so uh, we want to be ready. Don't we, church family? We want to be ready for what God has. We want to be ready uh, to, to be hospitable and welcoming and proclaim the good news of Jesus to as many people as God wants to bring through our doors on Sunday morning. And so um, there's a lot of reasons. That's the main reason that we're doing this, is to, to honor our mission, to obey God's mission that he's given us to help people follow him. But there's a lot of other reasons too. You know, we could, um, we could talk about the fact that we hope that this opportunity will make it possible for you to attend one worship gathering and serve during another because now you won't miss the worship gathering. We hope that uh, we need to, another reason we need to make this change is the limited space that is again true. Uh, not every Sunday, but many Sundays were awkwardly, uncomfortably full. This morning, again, was a, 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 a morning where uh, some, some of you enjoy being in the first two or three rows, the splash zone. <laughs> and some of you only come there because you have to or because our ushers didn't have anywhere else to put you. And we don't want that to always be the case. So limited space has become an issue. We've already talked about wanting to welcome guests. And we've already talked about the fact that we have a growing church family and a growing city. So God is at work. Uh, and we're excited to be part of what he's doing. So um, there's probably some questions you have. Um, There's some more details that I don't have time to go over right now. On your way out this morning, we're gonna give you a handout, a piece of paper, an information sheet that's gonna have some frequently asked questions that you might be wondering, well, what does it mean for this? And how are we gonna do that? And and we hope that that information will be really helpful to you. So as you leave, you can grab one of those. And then, of course, we're going to be sharing more with you in the coming weeks and uh, working together to, to, to uh, ask God to help this happen really in a smooth way. A um, couple quick things, though, that you'll find on that information sheet. You'll find out that our adult Bible fellowships that meet, those, those classes that meet at 9 a.m., they're not going anywhere. They're welcome to continue meeting. There's going to be space and time for those people to continue enjoying uh, each other at their adult Bible fellowship. The information, the piece of paper we'll hand you later has information about what this means for kids of all ages and our teenagers and what's going on on Sunday mornings for them. Um, and then and it'll have a little information for you too on how you can join in, where we need your help. And it's and it's a, and my first bit of homework for you is, is perfect for this morning's scripture passage because it would be pray. Pray for our leaders, pray for our staff as we plan and move this direction. Pray for our many awesome volunteers that make our Sunday mornings happen. Pray that God will bring about more uh, great volunteers that, that we need to, um, to make this transition successful. So we'd love to have you join in what God is doing. And, uh, and so we're excited to see how God is working and, and what he has in store. Also related to our Sunday mornings, uh, many of you are aware that we are currently without a staff person, a, a staff pastor to lead us in worship through music. So our volunteers are doing a great job every Sunday in helping us to lift our voices to him. But I uh, wanted to give you just an update too. Uh, 
on the search team for that next worship pastor a couple of weeks ago. We had the six of us up here that are on the search team. We introduced them to you. We prayed for them. We're going to continue giving you updates as you can. Uh, it can be a long process, but uh, we're off to a, an encouraging start. We let several weeks go by just to receive interest. And now we're in the initial stages of reviewing resumes and, and looking at some of these applicants. And fairly soon, we're going to start some early stage conversation with a few of them as they are asking God to show them where they should be. And as we as a church family are praying uh, and asking God to show us who he has for us. So definitely encourage, uh, definitely invite you to pray for that as well. And thanks to those of you that are praying. Our search team has been so encouraged by uh, prayers that we, that we hear, that we know about, notes that we've received, encouragement. And so um, be praying uh, for the whole process, for God's will to be done, of course, but be praying for our search team as well. That'd be, that'd be great. Sound good? All right, let's finish up with our passage here this morning. So as we ask God to help us stand firm live lives that are worthy of the gospel. We went over those five things that this passage seems to have as reminders for us. And the passage goes on to tell us about God's peace. Look at verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When God gives us peace in the midst of this crazy ups and downs of life, when God gives us his peace in the midst, it surpasses all understanding. It goes goes beyond logic. It goes beyond rational thinking. Have you experienced this as a follower of Jesus? That your life and the roller coaster of your life would call for a lot of anxiety or worry or fear or craziness, and yet, by the grace of our great and loving Heavenly Father, you experience peace? Have you? You know why I know you have? Because one of the biggest blessings I have as your pastor is getting to talk with you individually as I have for months now. And I love when I hear those kinds of, 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 of comments. It's so common. Derek, this and that, this is going wrong. This is, yeah, I pray for someone. But God's helping me. I have his peace. As I scan the room, I see some of those conversations I've had. And so thankful that God is with you, giving you his peace. It it seems incomprehensible. It It goes beyond our rational, logical thinking. We should feel a certain way, and we don't. We have God's peace. We should be stressed. We should be anxious. That's why I call the sermon irrational peace, this incomprehensible, unexplainable, surpassing all peace of God. This peace of God doesn't seem to make sense to us. It seems incomprehensible, unexplainable. But you know what? At least it seems that way to what? To our human brains. It seems incomprehensible. It seems unexplainable. But you know what? I think it's actually really explainable. You know why? Because our God is the God of peace. Because, the, because peace belongs to God alone. And so only God can give 
his peace. Ephesians 2 reminds us about Jesus, for he, Jesus, for he himself is our peace, Ephesians 2 says. And then in John 14, Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So as we lean into, as we depend on our Heavenly Father, as we go to our loving Father in prayer, we experience his peace. This supernatural, surpassing, irrational flooding of peace into our lives that that pushes out worry and brings us to him. I read this quote this week, when a believer prays, when a follower of Jesus prays, God may not change their circumstances, but he does change their heart. So I want to experience, as we transition now, and we're going to have some opportunity to lift lift him up in song as well, I want us to experience the God of peace. I want us to spend time in prayer again. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up and get situated, and we're going to close in prayer like we always do after hearing from God's word, but this, but this morning is a little different because instead of me being the one to close in prayer, I'm going to leave our, our prayer time to you. And so I, I, I urge you, church family, right now in the next couple minutes that we give you, talk to our great God. You don't need fancy words. You don't need Bible language. You don't need to speak Christianese. Your heavenly father knows you and loves you and wants to hear from you. So talk with him. You can praise him, thank him for what he's done. You can confess sin. You can tell him what you need. You can pray for the needs of others or even just sit silently listening for his voice, enjoying his peace. So in a moment, I'm going to start us off, but then I'm going to leave a couple of minutes of silence for you to pray. And then, and then in a couple of minutes, we'll have an opportunity to lift our voices in worship and we'll give our gifts, our offerings as a, as a worship to our great God as well. Father in heaven, happy Father's Day. We love you. We are thankful that we, through Christ, are adopted into your family, that we are your kids, that we can come to you now and talk with you, and you hear us.